Greetings, ladies and metal gents, and welcome to this narration of the web series, The Nature of Predators. If you're new to the series, there is a playlist listed in the description. And as always, I hope that you enjoy. Chapter 46 Memory Transcription Subject Governor Tava of the Vendor Republic Date, Standardized Human Time, October 10th, 2136 Alarms blared from the cockpit, and my fur stood on end. Mayor's head snapped up from its snoozing position. The human needed only a fraction of a second to process the stimuli. The Secretary General jumped into full alert mode, scrambling towards the ship's helm. It was incredible how quickly the Predator brain kicked in to fighting mode. Our transport was accompanied by a 10-ship UN escort, which was armed to the teeth. We planned on skirting the edge of FTL comms range and blasting a long-range transmission towards the Arxol station's coordinates. There shouldn't be a high chance of conflict, since we were keeping a substantial distance. Still, the humans came prepared to protect their leader. Status? Mayor asked, his voice icy calm. What's all this about? The Terran pilot grimaced. Massive formation on an intercept coast, about two milliparsecs out. Looks like patrollers of Arxor make. Hail them on all frequencies. Already done. No reply, sir. But our sensors picked up an attempted target lock. Abort mission. Adjust our calls at once. Too late. We can't shift to our heading quick enough into hyperspace. Crap. I don't belong anywhere near a conflict. I panicked. Why didn't the humans assume the station location was a trap? I guess their desperation overrode their paranoia. It seems the reptilians weren't as keen on talking as the captives once posited. The fake promise of an alliance was exactly the sort of deception the Federation claimed was inherent. If the Arxor managed to subdue us, I might have to take drastic measures. I hoped I didn't pass out at the first sign of boarding. My head felt woozy, like I had been twirling around for hours. Mayor's eyes widened, and he caught me as I lurched forward. It was all I could do to coax the slightest motions out of my muscles. As the terror of becoming Arxor livestock intensified, the UN leader pushed me back into my seat and strapped me into a harness with steady hands. Please, Elias, I, I, I can't, please kill me if they get on board, I pleaded. The Secretary General combed a hand through my grey hair. Nobody's going to die. We'll figure a way out. <laughs> Promise me that if the time comes... My words tumbled out in hyperventilating gasps, and I caressed my searing heart. You have no idea what they'll do to me, especially when they figure out who I am. Please. I understand what you're saying. Everything is going to be fine, but I need you here with... A colossal jolt radiated through the ship's frame. Mayer doubled over, clutching his temples. Profanity spewed from the human's mouth. There was quite a deviation from his typical composure. It felt wrong to see the stutch a stalwart man roll onto his side and curl up into a fetal position. His cheeks turned bright red and his binocular eyes watered. Is Mayor okay? It looks like he's asphyxiating. i never seen a human skin that color. The effects of the SDL disruptor pulse hit me milliseconds later. I felt my ears pop like I was in a plummeting elevator and the discomfort only escalated. I whimpered in pain as I sensed the fluid sloshing in the auditory canals. The positive was, it snapped me out of my fear, but the existing dizziness was compounded. My surroundings were an undulating haze. Fucking hell! The Secretary General grunted. Shields! Shields! The Terran leader shifted onto his stomach and began to crawl towards the cockpit. 
He tapped his earlobe, still bothered by the ringing sensation. He then shook his head, as vigorously as rain-drenched Venlil. I didn't think any human had been on the receiving end of his disruptive pulse before. This crew was the first to experience it. Our ship's pilot raised an unsteady arm, the disoriented effects inhibiting his coordination, and he couldn't jab his finger on the right button. There was no concerned chatter from our escorts. Their bearings must be rattled, too. The greys had rendered us defenseless. Silver streaks closed in on us from a diagonal heading. Orange lights encompassed an escort vessel's hull. The oxel swooped in. The reptiles seemed to be taunting us by drawing so close. More blinding beams accelerated around us, and drilling into the UN craft from flawless angles. This was a beatdown, not a fight. I struggled through my own panting, Elias, get a firearm! Shoot me! Please, I beg of you! A disgruntled mayor struggled to his side legs. His hair and attire were more disheveled than I ever recalled. The dignitary was a painstaking with his grooming and persona. His reddened skin glistened with water, and dark stains spread under his arms. Human sweat had a way of making them look slimy and feral. Hail the Arxor again, but with video preview. Do it! The Secretary General barked. The helmsman stiffened. Are you mad, sir? That's going to be a little difficult now. Our pilot slammed a fist down on the control column, swerving away from the flock of many missiles. I'd guessed that those were designed to squeeze between chinks of armor or dodge interceptors. Our ship listed to one side as several hits battered our underbelly. The navigator howled some curses. Mayer shook the other man's shoulder. Open a channel! Do exactly what the feck I said! Yes, sir. The secretary general placed his hands on the console, steadying himself as kinetics pelted our armor. Our allies were trying to intervene, but several other otherwise occupied. Mayer gritted his teeth and turned his eyes right towards the camera lens. The Arxel ship banked around us and pivoted to head on view of the cockpit. Its railguns glowed as it prepared to finish us off. My bloodstream was flooded with the nauseating chemicals. These were the last moments of consciousness I would ever have. To my bewilderment, the enemy craft hesitated, its weapons powered down, and it lost interest in our staring contest. The other greys also backed off, leaving the Terran targets a time to recuperate. They cycled back to their jump point and watched us from the increased distance. Greetings on behalf of the Aksar Dominion. The throaty voice on the speakers was accompanied by a visual of a menacing creature. The sight of its yellowed fangs was revolting. Our sincere apologies, brothers. We did not mean to harm you. Mayor haved a flustered sigh. Why did you attack us? We hailed you as soon as we saw you. Your subspace trail originated from Venlil Prime, so we didn't realize it was you. The predator croaked. You were heading straight for a key foothold of ours. Listening to the prey beg is a waste of time. I'm sure you understand. It didn't escape my notice how the Secretary General's shoulders tensed. He inhaled a few purposeful breaths, as though trying to restrain his temper. I was aghast at the civility the Arxel was displaying to the humans. Nothing directed at us ever suggested this demeanor was within their capacity. Even as they are polite to the Terrans, they are brashing Bendel. They would never agree to a truce with us. We were heading for your listening post, Mayer growled. Humanity wishes to negotiate terms of our species interactions, and we have some intelligence to offer. Its eyes narrowed to slits, inspecting the primate's form. 
Speak, I am listening. Identify yourself. I am Secretary General Elias Mayer, leader of the United Nations. Do you have the authority to negotiate on behalf of your species? Authority over the sector. I am Chief Hunter Isif. This transmission is being recorded, so I will relay anything you say through the proper channels. My difficulty in collecting my thoughts was frustrating, but this was marked improvement from being fired upon. It was unsurprising to learn the Arxal labeled their highest-ranking officers as chief hunters. Their society revolved around the systemic slaughter of other sapiens. Did the humans really think that they could change that? This was a foolish mistake on my part. The Vendel had no part in any of this, even if we were loyal to the Terrans. Now also, Vice, the Secretary General decided. Humanity thought you would be interested to learn seven species that have relocated their military assets. In other words, their territory is practically unguarded. Isip's tongue flitted between its facts as it salivated at the prospect of a raid. The sinister gleam in those eyes were enough to make me question humanity's plan. How could my friends call such a malicious assault on the Krakotl's head? Mayer knew precisely what would happen to the civilians on the world. It was a low move, even with the stakes. Also, there are 17 other species that have mobilized a couple ship units. The human leader continued, without any sign of guilt. Perhaps that will weaken a few key regions, or result in their forces being spread thin. The first seven names will be the easiest, but it's your choice. The Arxor offered a scratchy chuckle. <laughs> Send the data over, Mayor. I take it that these assets have uh, relocated to attack you. You wouldn't give information for free if it wasn't in your interest. It doesn't matter. But I do have a request in turn. If you want to ally with us, you need only ask. The human leader paused. He turned around to face the cabin and waved for me to join him. I shook my head in the negative, not wanting the predator to see my presence. The entire dialogue was going to crumble the second my face appeared on screen. Mayor crossed his arms, tapped his foot with impatience. The stubborn man was going to wait until I joined him, one way or another. Blood roared to my ears as my shaking claws clung clipped the harness. My legs felt like they were made of jelly. I slunk up beside the primate, with my tail between my legs. Secretary General's eyes glowed with defiance. He scooped me up to his chest and propped my paws around his neck. The reptile maw hung agape for several seconds. The dilation of its eyes made my grip tighten. I imagine it was contemplating how I'd look on a carving station. Why is that feeble animal not coward? Esif asked at last. You have your food loose in your ship. My ears pinned against my head. Thank you, scaly wretch. I hope you rot in a furnace. The Arxel leaned back and placed its spindly arms beneath its snout. I was surprised it didn't return the insult or lobby vulgar threats at my race. The way it flashed its teeth reminded me of the Terran's amused expression. Then again, perhaps it was their display of appetite that we used to interpret that as Mayor sighed. Taba, meet Isip. Isip, meet Taba. Excellent. Now everyone is acquainted. Its name is irrelevant. It is a lesser. Explain yourself quickly, human. The chief hunter snarled. Sure, that's easy. If you want positive relations with the UN, cease all hostilities with Vendel Republic. The human bared his teeth in a confident smile. Also, release every Vendel in your custody. We'll compensate you double with the cattle's weight and fresh meat, so food is not an issue. I... you have some nerve. Why would we relinquish our right to such a delicacy? 
Why would this be the entire basis of your terms? The Vendlals are our partners. You recognize sowing division within the Federation, and having sources with access to their information. You also know what a powerful ally we could be. Sparing one species isn't that important in the grand scheme of things. Isif cast a ferocious glare at me, but I managed to meet its gaze. The Arxor could not harm me through the screen. This could be my only chance to confront a monster, and I wanted to know that Vendel were not just inferior creatures. My courage seemed to cement its decision. My growl rumbled in the soulless predator's throat. <laughs> we heard you took Arxor captives during our unfortunate clash in Gojid space. Add them to your end and we have an arrangement. Unless you killed them, in that case, there won't be any deals today. I accept those terms. For the record, we don't kill surrendering prisoners. It's not strategical, Maya replied. We're glad to hear that. How do you wish to complete this transaction? Bring the captives alive to the abandoned Vindal colony I just sent you. We'll give you the code to the storage satellite. Once you've left the prisoners unharmed, the exchange will be arranged a month from now. That is acceptable. I blinked in amazement, unable to believe my ears. Had the Arxel hunter agreed to release all of our livestock that easily? My instincts suggested that it had to be a deception. For all of Mayer's poised words, I couldn't fathom the benefit to the enemy. The logistics of reintegrating millions of traumatized Vendel and trying to explain that our greatest allies were warlike predators daunted me too. That was on top of the projected millions of Terran refugees we needed to find a place for. Perhaps the Greys agreed to release the cattle because it realized the burden it would place on our infrastructure. The humans' judgment will be sound. You can discuss this with their generals later, if they have the time. The Secretary General scoured at the camera. You try anything on Venlo, we'll blow up the satellite up. Also, we have a rough estimate of how many cattle you have, so don't try cheat us. Isab's not a cheat, you. I'm extending my chlorine friendship. But your request will take a considerable effort, and it's inevitable that some mewling Venlo will slip through the cracks. I understand, Vendel muttered. Thanks for your triumph, Chief Hunter. I hope our information serves you well. The misplaced assets have been passed along. Why do you not just ask for our help stopping their attacks? Because I have no guarantee you wouldn't destroy your competitor. <laughs> destroy you? If we wanted that, you would already be dead. Something about the Arxel's tone sent a chill down my spine. That didn't sound like an empty threat. The reptile and a certain that we could fulfill that goal if desired. A predator's bluster wasn't usually so nonchalant and dismissive. Mayer raised his eyebrows. I beg your pardon. We squeezed Earth's location out of some cattle. The scholarly types learned a lot about your species. Your <laughs> violence. <laughs> Don't misunderstand. I'm not saying this is to threaten you, but that you should prove we won't attack. I, uh, I see. The human's complexion reverted to its ashen state, and concern flashed on his pupils. Why are you so interested in befriending us? You're the most exciting thing to happen to the galaxy in a long time. We searched for other true sapiens for centuries. It's a shame the prey found you before us. Secretary General stared at the screen, unable to formulate a response. The excitement at finding a fellow predator clearly wasn't mutual. The last thing the humans needed was another genocidal enemy scoping out Earth. That made it much tougher for the partnership to be a temporary stopgap. Don't look so glum. 
I'm told the Federation tried to kill humanity in its nest. We are the same. That clingy rodent is more likely to harm you than us, Itzip declared. My eyes narrowed. I have never lifted a claw against humans, Predator. You don't know me. The oxel curled its lips. Oh, but I do. Dinner. You Federation hypocrites are all the same. Have a safe ride home, humans. I'll see you around. The video call ended, and Maya helped me climb down on his back. The Secretary General looked shaken to his core. The final revelation wormed into his skull and escalated his concerns for his home. I hoped I hadn't aggravated the situation, but the way the reptilian spoke to me was maddening. That conversation hadn't inspired any optimism for Earth's future, at least not in my book. It was a dubious whether the Greys would fulfill the stated bargain as well. Whatever the humans desired from that engagement, I hoped they got it. End of chapter. Chapter 47. Memory Transcription Subject Captain Kalsum. Krakoatl Alliance Command. Date Standardized Human Time, October 16th, 2136. When deprived of sleep for days, the crew began to get a little jumpy. The Terran ambushes became more sporadic along the journey, but persisted all the same. The Krakoatl fleet was left with no choice but to stay in constant alert. I focused on keeping the other officers rested while I shouldered the brunt of the ships. My personnel became run down despite the adjustment. It was severe enough that I ordered Zahn to give essential crew members stimulants. The drugs left me wired enough that my wing couldn't stop twitching, which was a nuisance. But with our arrival stated for today, the soldiers couldn't afford to be drowsy. Sharp wits were a necessity to clash with the humans. Perhaps that was the purpose of the ambushes all along. Yet another disruptor pulse had shaken us up in the outskirts of the soul system. A jarring effect were becoming routine as we all tried to clear the fog from our minds. My eyes felt like Mazik was sitting on them, but I forced them to stay open. The predators wouldn't break us on my watch, not on the cusp of our destination. My gaze shifted to the viewport. XO status. I detected sensor anomalies, sir. The humans may be somewhere nearby, but it's tough to tell. Thion proved a godsend with his analytical mind. His skill set complemented my tactical understanding. We're already in the system's outer orbit. This is their last chance to strike. The sensor reader revealed that we were less than a milliparsec from Earth. We anticipated the bulk of the Terran Armada was waiting within Sol's inner reaches. I had no doubt the humans set up FTL interference throughout their system, so there should be no further hyperspace hops. The rest of the journey would be handled sublight. Our instruments picked up millions of planetesimals, which were mainly composed of ice. The circumstellar disk was a sprawling collection, with Federation scientists had noted as one of two debris planes. Our fleet filtered out the water-dominant objects, so they wouldn't drown out the enemy movement. Where are the humans? If this is the border of their territory, you think that they would send someone to greet us? Is there anything to be concerned about with this location? Many weapons hidden in the belt, I squawked. The first officer cleared his throat. The objects are spread too far apart to pose a threat, sir. As visual indicates, I detect no mining activity or research stations. There has to be something unusual, I pressed. Humans don't just pick up their spots at random. All I noticed is that there were powered down FTL disruptors. Perhaps their primitive defenses are malfunctioning. We could shave a few hours from our travel time if we could just get one more jump. 
Suspicion filtered through my tired brain, and I urged myself to consider the circumstances. It seemed unlikely that all the humanity's defenses would collapse at the same time. The only reason they would halt the signal would be to allow their own ships through. But there was no unknown drive signatures on sensors. We should see any predators coming with ease. As if to mock my certainty, a massive chunk of ice blinked into existence amidst the Krakotal racks. It plowed into the rear of our formation, dwarfing the ships it steamrolled over. Panicked chatter barked over the radio, and our Federation allies scrambled to expend the orbital bomb on the object. We managed to crack the first planetesimal, but dozens more surfaced on several headings. My talons undid the sensor filter, and hundreds of warp blips emerged on my screen. The Predators predicted that we would filter out anything icy, which rendered their strike invisible to our instruments. I could appreciate the deviousness of their ploy. Human creativity was leaps and bounds beyond the Arxel. I leaned over the comms panel. Now, Federation vessels, deploy your FTL disruptors now! The subspace indicators vanished, and soon as our allies complied with my order, still, dozens of human hijacked planetoids, twenty times the diameter of our craft, were enough to cause a headache. We needed to take evasive maneuvers if any were on trajectory for our position. Jala puffed up her chest with excitement. And so it begins. I want to be the one who pushed the button when we burn their cities. There was no time to worry about her derangement. It didn't matter if she was the one dropping the payload, or if I handled it myself. As one giving the orders, the burden of responsibility fell on me. I knew what a terrible deed we were about to commit. The mental images gnawed at my conscience. At least the creature from past exterminations had no foreknowledge of their demise. I wondered how many humans' last thoughts would be of their families. Those unsightly hunters had more in common with us than most Krakotl would like to admit. Their desperation to survive and their collectivism resonated with our own. It is truly a shame that predators are prone to destruction and violence. There is only room for one of us in the galaxy, I reminded myself. This crew is sacrificing something for ourselves, so the Federation has a chance to survive. Nonetheless, I respected how the hominids utilized every asset at their disposal. Dozens of Krakotl warships lie crushed or totaled around us. The Terrans never had the rear of their ugly heads. Once icy objects had barreled toward our location, despite the pitiful attempts to obliterate it, the asteroid's magnitude left no doubts about the hull would implode if it connected. The damn inbred strapped a warp drive to space rock. Who the feck does that? Or even thinks to do that? Lion spat. I hummed and thought, Someone who sees everything as a potential weapon. A predator much more dangerous than the Arxel. The soul gritted his teeth. Glad you've seen the light, Captain. I've always seen the light. Now quit with your snide remarks and find us a way out of this mess. Lion jerked his floppy ears in disdain before ensuing orders to navigation. The asteroids were propelled forward by its existing momentum. It was near enough that I could glimpse the imperfections on its surface. Distant sunlight glinted off the watery composite and washed it in a serene ultraviolet hue. Their color would look a lot less beautiful smashed up against our plating. Our vessels executed a sharp turn and rerouted power to acceleration. The state-of-the-art warship didn't seem to cover the space fast enough. It felt like a predator was nipping at our talons. My stomach somersaulted as the projectile scraped by nearly atop of us. 
we cleared the collision course with mere seconds to spare. The humans might have hoped to incite panic so that they could cow us through our instincts. We had to remember that the stakes were our entire civilization, our right to roam the galaxy in freedom and dignity. Curling my nerves, I contemplated which weaponry would take the icy mass out. Careful placement of explosives should still conserve firepower for the main event. Movement flashed in the viewport's corner, a streaking blur of metal. My wary brain took a full second to process the new data. An allied vessel was gunning straight towards us. A head-on collision wasn't something either of us would survive. But the fools were preoccupied dodging their own asteroid and seemed oblivious to our presence. Move the blasted ship, I screeched. Can you not see we're going to crash? The navigations officer curled his neck with trepidation as he frantically brought our nose upward. There was a brief scraping sound from the friendly brushing under our belly. The artificial gravity failed to compensate for another abrupt change. A forceful tug shocked us towards the rear of the bridge, and I lost my balance on my perch. My wings fluttered frantically. There wasn't enough time to gain proper bluff. I wanted to slow my fall. The air beneath my cyan feathers allowed me to drift, and I glided down and the slanted gravity well. The other crackoidal also used shared instincts to cushion their fall. Thion wasn't as fortunate. The light didn't exactly grace his tubby form. The farsal stout poles offered little traction, and his curved hind legs made the bipedal stance precarious in the best of circumstances. His jowls quivered with fear as he tumbled backwards. There was a sickening crack from his head slamming against the support wall. Dion, Nexa, will you answer when I speak to you? Give me some sign that you're all right, I hollered. The first officer didn't respond. He was crumpled in a limp heap, with a concerning amount of blood pulling around him. What if the poor guy was dead, regardless of his attitude? The last thing I wanted was to send him home in a body bag. Jala clicked her beak together in delight, and I shot her a warning look. She was elated that my second was knocked out of commission, since it cleared the return to her old first. It was bothersome that the person could derive pleasure from another's misfortune, but I suppose it was no different than Zahn relishing human suffering. Soldiers like them could perform their duties without remorse, at least. Focus on the battle, I chided myself. You cannot get distracted and let the humans surprise you again, honor Thion's wishes. The gravity adjustment kicked in at last, and my crew members scrambled back to their posts. The navigation officer rushed to level our heading. We were fortunate to escape with our frame intact, and only a few dozen allies taken out. The most imaginative strategist wouldn't have accounted for asteroids warping out of nowhere. I glided over to the down first officer, containing many untoward displays of grief. His russet fur was matted with blood, and he was unresponsive to poking. My talon locked around his hind ankle, digging into the pulse point. Relief coursed through my veins as I felt a faint heartbeat. Dr. Zahn! I sent a transmission to the medical bay, praying that the spiteful Takan had any healing aptitude. My security team is transporting the first officer to your lab. Serious head trauma, internal bleeding... Understood. I'll attend to the necessary preparations, Captain, Zahn replied. The security personnel caught the unconscious vassal away, and I suppressed my concern. With neural trauma, the officer might be looking at permanent damage, even if he was stabilized. There was no telling what time frame to expect for Thion's recovery, but I doubted he'd be back within the mission span. 
It hadn't been within my forecast to lose anyone this early, the mission. My attention reluctantly returned to the battlefield, where the Federation fleet was trying to recruit. Dormant Terran ships crept out from behind planetoids and descended on any stragglers who strayed too far from the group. The chaos of the asteroids had broken our tight formation. Numbers were our primary advantage. We would be fine as long as we stuck together. They cannot stop all of us, or even a majority. Jala ordered a sizable contingent of our fleet to charge at the Terran raiders, to deter them from pressing their luck. I blinked in irritation as she claimed that the command was authorized by me. Lying was not a quality I appreciated, especially when it was done to get her way quickly. Then again, perhaps it was better to let her make the time-sensitive decisions. Burn any humans that try to run! We have to kill every one of them! Jala shrieked. The atmosphere was solemn, as her phraseology was a bit too honest. She projected a certain vindictiveness that needed to be tempered down. This mission couldn't be about inflicting suffering or killing for killing's sake. That was not why I wanted my crew to think we were doing this. I tucked my wings behind my back. Don't let a single predator go, if you can stop it. The more humans that escape, the greater the chance they retain a viable population. Why is that such a bad thing, sir? An engineering assistant asked. There's two futures, son. The one where we survive and the one where they do. When cancer metastasizes, it infects and consumes all healthy tissue nearby, I answered. Is that what you want for the galaxy? Consider this an early detection before it spreads to our heart. A group of Terran fighters were blazing away after punching at our weakest links. To my relief, the crew locked onto a pair of targets and chased them with plasma. Krakotl warships converged on the cluster like locusts. They sent those fearless hunters running off like Vanlor. The humans were surprisingly slippery, finding an escape route with minimal casualties. Their ships evaded with vaulting maneuvers, and a plethora of defensive countermeasures were built into their hardware. For all my knowledge of predators, I hadn't expected these ones to be so adept at flee. This was a positive sign, if they had so little courage. My eyes landed on a faint blue dot on the horizon, which the predatory opportunists were retreating towards. Humanity was poised to make the last stand. The poor saps would perish without any reason to be missed. We were close enough to Earth to detect thousands of ships' contacts, fanned out as a protective ward. A smarter species would have let those vessels flee, if they knew of our arrival. Their territorial nature does have some downsides. They'd rather fight and die, just like we predicted. The first wave of Terran defense were beaten, and I suspected that that was the toughest stage of the transit. The asteroid trick would only work once. We had a clear shot to the Predator's home. Now, that small fleet was all that stood between us and orbital supremacy. We were so close to eliminating that menace that was humanity. End of chapter. Chapter 48. Memory Transcription Subject. Captain Kalsum. Krakotl Alliance Command. Date, at standardized human time, October 17, 2136. Renewed energy surged through my veins as the fleet coasted within striking distance of the human armada. This was the most important skirmish of our lives. The Terran forces were a ragtag bunch consisting of primary cluster of recycled Vendel ships, a few of their own slow behemoths, and a handful that looked too small to host a proper crew. 
Our homogenous warships had the advantage of both conformity and technology. Scans of Earth offered some interesting insights as we registered several million life signatures in underground structures. I confirmed on this idea with the fleet, and we agreed to nail those havens first. Human bunkers were not designed to withstand direct antimatter blasts. Once their key hideouts were demolished, major population centers were the second priority. Orion advance, ready our plasma guns for the Terran formation, I chirped into the comms. Follow this five seconds later with a generous donation of missiles. Everyone will fire on my mark. The radio crackled to life with a reply. How certain are we that we can defeat these predators? It is a simple math equation. We'll all act together, and we have more guns than they have ships. The Terrans held their position as we coordinated our target blocks. Jala aimed our railgun at the gargantuan warship which already registered five others pinpointing it. Overkill wasn't the worst idea. To ensure that the largest of enemies didn't survive, my sensors warned that our fleet was being tog-locked in return, and a spurt of munitions were second from impact. Ah! I screeched. The light show around me was a marvelous sight, with energy beams zipping between us and the humans. I watched as our targets were sundered by various incisions, capping off the largest threat before it began. Other predator craft fell to the sheer onslaught, their numbers couldn't hold a candle to ours. We sustained some damage to our front lines, though many vessels that were hit by the enemies were able to press on. The ships we selected to lead the way was the first sole armor-heavy vessel by design. They didn't pack as much in terms of weaponry, but they could absorb more force than the standard craft. In other words... Those craft shielded the rest of us. The surviving human vessels were either nursing grave wounds or had pulled off lucky evasive maneuvers. I estimated that we'd taken out 40% of our opponents with the first strike. The other fronts must be enjoying similar success. The Krakotal fleet wasn't showing any mercy and showered missiles at the predators. The hominids left a trail of interceptors behind them, desperately trying to muster some fight. This is almost unfair, ganging up on such a primitive species. No wonder they wouldn't engage us directly. Maybe it was as much pragmatism as it was cowardice. The enemy pilots seemed to realize that they were falling back towards Earth's atmosphere. They had no choice but to turn and fight, or surrender orbital supremacy. Our allies were encouraged by their concession. We charged forward with righteous determination. I could feel my own crew's qualms about battling predators dissipating. I toss my beak for emphasis. Don't let your guard down. Predators will try anything if they're desperate enough. Sir, the smaller craft are shooting kinetics and plasmas at us while charging at max speed. Uh, thing is, I'm not detecting any life signs. Jala chittered. Have the humans found a way to hide from our sensors? They might be concealed in some bunkers. Confusion rippled through my plumage. I doubt even humans made advances against technology they barely understand. The pilots could have just ejected and left the vacant ship on a collision course. He didn't listen to what I said. The craft is still firing on us, and making course corrections. There has to be a pilot, she protested. My talons tightened around my perch. Those Terran ships didn't seem to be steering on a preset course. Before my eyes, one of them whirled out of the way of a plasma beam. It performed a total thrust reversal and a dime. I didn't know how anyone could calculate that fast, or how the lapse in gravity would cause the pilot to pass out. How the G-force would crush the organic skull. While predators in movies were high-nine killable, 
That was not reality. Those maneuvers were impossible. The only conclusion was that these spacecraft were flying themselves and killing based off of some sort of algorithm. How could a computer even learn strategy? And even if it could, you would risk implementing that function into its programming. I leaned over the comps. The smaller craft are fighting without human input. I believe they're ordered to crash into us at max velocity. Focus on them. Hundreds of railguns pivoted towards the threat, and a slew of missiles greeted the pilotless craft as well. If our readings were correct, these robots seemed reliant on nuclear power. The plasma jets unleashed at close range were tied to those systems. The humans had skipped right into inflicting most damage possible. A single hit burned through even the fossil ship's hardened exterior. It's actually quite clever to not have to worry about losing pilots. They don't have to fuss over containing reactions from weapons or expending power on life support. The Terran automatons were decimated when we managed to connect, but they reacted quickly to our threats. We had to focus multiple warships on a single one to make sure it couldn't calculate us to death. Several reaches their targets and rammed those first into the armored front line. Our hardiest ships took significant losses. The humans were determined to take them out of the equation. Jala singled out an aggressive predator vessel and provided suppressive fire for our allies. We advanced deeper into their territory, knowing human fervor would render them reckless. The crater-pocked moon passed alongside us, a landmark of our goal. Defense satellites minced us with lasers and gunfire, but they were idle targets to be taken out. The predators were retreating in gradual increments, and their scattered formation was on the brink of collapse. These stalling attempts, inventive or not, were futile. In a few thousand kilometers, we could commence the orbital bombardment. So the humans are broadcasting a message fleet-wide. Should I discard it? The human officer asked. I sighed. Let their last words be heard. It's their right thing to do. Federation fleet, we advise you to turn back now. We took the liberty of informing the Arxor of your departure. The audio transmission had no video, but the booming voice was jarring even without visual. If you return now, you might arrive in time to save your planets. You'll need the artillery you're going to expend on Earth. We will accept your surrender and allow you to return unimpeded. The stunned silence swept across the bridge. Every crew member was undoubtedly recalling their home and the people we left behind. Nishtal was our birth planet, a marshy paradise with boating cities and breathtaking algae blooms. It didn't surprise me that the humans would guarantee it fell alongside Earth. That was predatory spite. But the thought of returning to Nishtal to see every stilt tower and ceremonial nest obliterated cracked a small piece of me. That wasn't even considering how the Arxor would ravage our population. What egotistic predator didn't take prizes of its hunts, after all? Friendly radio chatter cropped up again. The Arxor are coming for us. I'm sorry for listening to one of those fiends, but we have to save our homes. She's right, another captain agreed. Shouldn't we at least send a part of the fleet back? We never should have left Nishtel unguarded. Take heart, my friends. The humans are bluffing. We have them scared crapless. I didn't believe the primates were fibbing, but this mission had to be finished, whatever the cost. Do you think it's possible to talk to the Arxor? The predators want to manipulate our empathy and use it against us. The last part was true, though I found it improbable that they'd stake that wager on a falsehood. The Terrans hoped they could wield our compassion for our brethren against us. They probably understood how we felt, seeing our homes vulnerable and under attack. This was a cost I could barely find the strength or logic to commit to. Odds were, 
A few hours wouldn't make a difference on the scale. Our fleet would be disorganized and short on ammo, whether we accomplished the objective or not. The question was whether or any species could survive through our sacrifice. But what if they are telling the truth? came the retort across the Federation channels. I lowered my eyes. Then we'll be out of here in a few hours. If the Terrans survive, they will just join forces with the Arxel. Humans are untenably violent, and they'll want revenge. There is no choice but to eradicate Earth. The fleet rallied behind my words, finding their conviction restored. There was nothing to stop the humans from following our subspace trail and unleashing their retribution on our cities. It was far too late now to walk back any attack. Predators didn't forgive or relinquish grudges. The first bomber group barreled towards the line of Terran ships, who were behaving strangely. I watched as they backed away and left massive gaps in their formation. Why were they giving our vessels a pass to break through? Either they were extraordinarily cocky or anticipating our surrender, or this was a trap. Thousands of missiles slammed into our craft seconds later, hailing from the direction of their moon. The explosive demolished any ships they touch. I was stunned to see radiation amidst them readings. These items should only take one ship without shockwaves, but the missile's contact numbers half of our vessels. That fact that the Predators stocked that many nukes on Luna. Why do humans have such an oversized supply of city killers? What reason could they have to point them at their own world from above? Deploy missile countermeasures, I shrieked into the comms. Destroy every structure on their moon. I'm sure that has to be the last of it, but... Just as the Federation fleet began compensating for the nuclear deluge, the humans deployed another staggering missile wave. The salvo was also in the thousands, begging the question just how large their atomic cache was. No wonder our scientists thought the apes eradicated their world. It wasn't for lack of trying. Jala spotted a military complex near us and dropped an antimatter bomb onto the lunar coordinates. As much as I hated to waste extermination supplies, I didn't question the necessity of stopping the nuclear assault. Every bomber who forged ahead was getting buried in radioactive warheads. They were only so many explosives we could shrug off at once. The Terran defenders camped by the orbital threshold, honing plasma at anything that moved. Thousands of our ships had succumbed to the mind-bogglingly missile count. We were still trying to swat the remnants away, with our numbers whittling down. The humans smelled blood. Our attack force suddenly seemed to be a bit more manageable. I flapped my wings in irritation. We have to find a way through the wall, and quickly. Any suggestions, Jala? Well, sir, there is a small gap by the northern polar cap. The predators are overextended, my sociopathic second replied. I blinked. Good thinking. That is where we can break through and pick our mark. My mind wandered as I relayed assignments. The first item was delegating our quickest ships to rush through to the enemy opening. Our entire lead bombing unit was atomized, so the swift cruisers were the obvious replacement. I figured the humans would try to stop any advance. The second our people started moving, we needed to block the predators from sealing the gap. Earth looked depressingly beautiful as I studied the viewport. White clouds formed a veil over tan landmasses, which were divided by rich oceans. I was relieved that the skirmish was almost over. Savages or not, it was impossible not to feel sorry for the humans. There was an exquisiteness and wonder in what they had built. And I knew there were plenty of us left to get the job done. It's been an honor serving with each of you, 
Let's finish this, so we can all go home, I croaked over the comms. Federation cruisers bolted towards the vacant space in Terran formation and pushed their engines past recommended limits. Our warships joined the masses surging forward. The walls rattled as we careened to position. The non-essential ships formed a metal shield between the cruisers and the humans gunning to intercept them. An angular Terran behemoth sauntered towards us, not even slowing down as we hovered in its path. My nav officer took evasive maneuvers and ducked in their uncontrolled plasma and missiles. The humans weren't taking the time to aim. I could almost hear the predators begging us to stop, and guilt tugged at my heart. The massive ship launched dozens of smaller craft from its hangar bay, but they were spliced up by our kinetics on arrival. Those scrawny fighters were easy pickings for us. The spacecraft carrier found itself target-locked by a murderous Jala. The female Krakotl showed no emotion as she directed a missile through their hangar, circumventing its armor. Yes! She leapt up with enthusiasm as the Predator's ship erupted into pieces. It's funny, isn't it? We're blocking them from getting the real target, and these humans are forced to watch. An appropriate somberness overtook the bridge as the rest of us processed her words. There was nothing amusing about what we were slated to witness. It was difficult to remember that it was just business. Fifteen Federation cruisers slipped past the humans with the timely help of Allied fleet. They crossed the final kilometer to orbital range and scoped out the exposed planet below. I watched the predators flung everything they had at the attackers, knowing full well that they were out of reach. Time seemed to freeze around us. This was the moment that would reside in my nightmares. The payload struck home after a painstaking eternity. Bright flashes dotted Earth's continents, and the antimatter purification wiped away our first human targets. End of chapter. Chapter 49. Memory transcription subject. Slinek, Vendel Space Corps. Date. Standardized human time, October 17th, 2136. The Terran drone monitoring station was set aboard a massive boat for some reason. I guessed it was because the moving targets would be difficult for the Krakotl to nail from orbital range. More than likely, they would need to dive through the atmosphere to take us out. My friends had terrestrial aircraft and defenses waiting for that moment. The humans judged that I was better equipped for an oversight role, scanning communications channels for anything helpful. Despite his protest, Mostel was still sidelined due to his injuries as well. It was a safe assumption that his assignment was more of a calm me, or to jump in if I froze. There were dozens of other predators in the control room, each itching to be in the stars. Instead, we all watched the battle unfold from behind a computer monitor. As the first Federation bombers broke through, everyone realized how quickly our defenses were falling apart. There was a seriousness that I'd never seen in humans, even in the darkest situations. Why couldn't they have fled Earth like I told them to? Our satellites registered 42 impacts, some on major population centers. General Jones addressed the station's crew in a solemn tone. I've assigned each of you a local news feed to listen in on. We, uh, need to keep track of which cities have been lost. I watched as the American officer placed a handful of red pins on a map. Her drone program hadn't quite worked out every aspect of space warfare, but its hasty deployment was the only thing keeping us in the game now. Teaching the automated programs to differentiate between hundreds of alien ship classes, space debris, and subspace disruptions was no small feat, I was told. 
My red-haired friend opened a news stream on the side monitor and traced a clawless hand across his spatial scars. The image I saw out of my periphery made me want to grab my blinders, but I forced myself to look. It was an aerial view of rubble in all directions, a sprawling metropolis turned into a wasteland by antimatter. Of Mexico City and New York City rocked North America. The Raven Rock Bunker complex has also been demolished, killing essential U.S. personnel. However, no region has gone unscathed. Asia has sustained an unequal share of detonations. Initial reports confirm mass devastation in Karachi, Tokyo, Dakar, Shanghai, and Mumbai. Several highly populous cities. The seat of Chinese government, Beijing, is yet untouched, though it is expected to be a future target. On the European front, Switzerland's extensive bunker network has made it the target of multiple bombing deposits. Their entire population, as well as a million refugees from EU neighbors, are packed in various shelters. Meanwhile, the Turkish government denies reports of a hit to Istanbul, despite satellite imagery suggesting its fall. In the southern hemisphere, contact has been lost with Sao Paulo, Lima, and Buenos Aires. Africa is reporting hit impacts in Kinshasa, Lagos, and Cairo, with Oceania Mons to fall of Sydney. Consecutive casualty estimates are in the tens of millions planet-wide. How can the Federation do this, Linek? Why do we deserve to die? Marsal's eyes watered, and his voice was scratchy whisper. We're just people. Like you. All we wanted was peace. I pinned my ears against my head. I am truly sorry. I wish we could do more to help. These are civilian hubs. There was no reason for any of this to happen. Not even their own worlds under fire could make them stop. Millions are dead because of our eyes. Because we're so fecking different to you. Despite the anger in his words, I could see that my friend was on the brink of a breakdown. The UN fleet was being pummeled on all fronts, and every screen depicted ship explosions. My heart clenched as I realized Tyler might already be dead. The tall flesh eater was signed onto spacecraft carrier crew. Human artillery was depleted too, despite their unsanctimonious love of nuclear weapons. My resilient predator can't give up now, can he? It's like Marcel is admitting defeat. I know, Mark, I said gently. Listen, no matter how much this hurts, we have to keep fighting until the last settlement falls. If we're going to die today, we better take a lot of them with us. Pure hatred glimmered in his hazel eyes. Oh, ho, ho. you didn't have to tell me that. If humanity glues itself back together, I hope we kill every last one of them. You don't mean that, my friend. Know that I'll spend little with you to the end, for whatever that's worth. The Van Lil only had a few hundred ships left in reserve, after donating the bulk of our fleet to humanity. Nonetheless, Governor Tava ordered the majority of our remnants to Earth's defense. They were intermingled with human units now, playing supporting roles. There were far less than 50 warships remaining behind the Vendel Prime. Both sides knew the Republic government sent more than we could spare. My gaze focused on one Vendel group, whose human frontline had succumbed to a brazen Karatel charge. The Predators committed themselves a bit too heavily to stopping the first bombs, and still failed in that regard. The Republic ships banded together on instinct which made them a large target for senses. I was stunned by how little the enemy hesitated to dispatch them. This Federation onslaught seemed just like as predatory as the humans, if not more. It was like they didn't consider Venlil people anymore. We couldn't just freeze and rely on herd mentality, or as our comrades were being murdered, 
Mental support, you need to stay mobile, Marcel growled into his headset, clearly noticing the same issue. Do not let yourself become a sitting target. Call for UN backup. Your allies will find a way to help you if we can. A few Terran ships overheard the chatter and ducked their agreement to help the Vendel grouping. The Republic's plasma aim was noticeably worse than the Federation's. The prey crews must be panicky. Even with my extra training, I would be terrified in their position. They were parked in the path of certain death. The Krakotal ships clashed with the battered UN reinforcements while Vendel threw in supporting missiles. The humans were flying like crazed maniacs, at least on the manned ships. I think the Predators found the energy to protect us, because they realized our opponents would break through otherwise. We might be the weakest species in the galaxy, but at least it's extra ships to stand in the way. I should be with the other Vendel, fighting. The humans were churning out explosives and gunfire, and the Vendel kept aiding from a safe distance. The Federation must have realized that those campers were pre-crewed vessels, not Predators. Several enemies rerouted their trajectories to cruise through their timid offerings, instead of searching for an opening. The Terrans swerved to meet the hostiles and concentrated plasma fire on the largest warships. Heavy Federation classes had the most explosives, so they were the priority. Earth's innocuous shape loomed behind the Venlo defenders. With armed vehicles barreling towards them, the urge to flee must be overwhelming. I donned my own headset, contemplating what Sarah had taught me. Manuel ships, you are much stronger than you think you are. The Federation is wrong about us. We are not just the galaxy's laughingstock. Push past your limits. Hold the line. Several Vindel were retreating before the crack hurdle overtook them, but scrambled back into position. None of us wanted humanity's home to suffer further harm. Most had come to love the arboreal predators, and love was as good a motivation as hatred. My people clawed back more than the Krakotl expected, though the aggressors cut the Venel ships down in droves. Our Federation craft slipped through the front as friendly forces succumbed to larger assault. My heart sang when I saw nobody was chasing the lead bomber. The other Terran groups were too far away to otherwise occupied. About twenty missiles were fast-tracked to Earth, which I knew meant millions more casualties. That was a statistic too staggering to comprehend. If the Venlil didn't make the last stand, it would have been a hundred detonations. It's about mitigating the damage at this point, and paying for a miracle. The Krakotl were clever, enough to allocate a few warships to guard their rear flank. The UN Gojit Liberation Fleet had attempted to hit them from behind, but found an armed unit waiting at the ready. Had the circumstances been less dire, I think the humans may have noted how the birds were a worthy foe. The Terran ship counted a ticking down of 2-1000 on her readout. The early stages of battle were catastrophic. The Federation still had several thousand vessels at their disposal, and pressed ahead with unchecked aggression. Our predators were running out of ships and tricks. They could only be so many places in the vastness of space at once. The enemy bombers trickled through in small groups, and that meant the death toll continued to rise. I couldn't imagine how Marcel felt. The red-haired human was holding his head in his hands. He slapped my tail away when I wrapped it around his wrist. Terran civilization, everything he ever knew, was slipping away. In the span of an hour. I jostled his arm again. Hey Marcel, please help me. There's 500 new contacts from your direction of a colony of Mars. I don't know who to notify. 
I was aware that I was supposed to alert General Chance, but I thought feeling useful might do my friend some good. The vegetarian needed to snap out of his misery and turn his thoughts away from Nulia and Lucy. He must be feeling guilt for sending them to a bunker. Honorable predators should go down fighting, not wallowing in self-pity. Did you hear me? I demanded. There's more ships inbound. I'm a standard Federation make. A second wave from the Federation monsters wasn't the first one enough, he spat. I couldn't blame him for that reaction. The Terrans had no spare manpower to allocate a fresh armada, but there had to be some attempt to stop the newcomers, even if it was woefully insufficient. Seeing that my human wasn't going to be helpful, I flagged down General Jones. She studied the data for a full minute, poring over the details. The American officer frowned. It's difficult to lock on the signal, but it appears they're trying to hail us. Shall I put it on the main screen? An attendant asked. Yes. Patch us through to the interference. If the feds are offering us surrender, I think we have no choice but to accept it unconditionally. The occupants of the monitoring station turned our attention to the central video. General Jones positioned herself in front of the camera, a bitter-looking look in her eyes. It was unclear why the Federation would reverse their stance on total extinction. Wasn't their only demand every human dead? A quadrupedal animal appeared on screen, and Jones' expression morphed to surprise. Those rounded ears and soft brown fur were the Zerillian features. The captain shied away from the camera, clearly having never seen a human before. Gods, don't eat us, please, I mean... <coughs> uh, <coughs> I, I mean... The Zerulean stammered, don't shoot us. Jones's lips curved down. What are you doing here? This is an act of war zone. Friendly, fr friendly, we'll leave. The quadrupedal was struggling to string coherent thoughts together. I jumped out of my seat and wagged my tail at Jones in a go-away gesture. The human general didn't take the hint, so I gave her leg an insistent shove. Understanding flashed in her eyes, and she ducked out of view of the camera. I flicked my ears, reassuring. Zerillian officer, please inform us of your intent. Nobody's going to hurt you. Charleston wanted, begged the prime minister to help humans. Unrelenting, he said they were nice, but they, 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 they look hungry to me. So, so hungry. Hope flickered back into Jones's pupils. Wait a second. You're here to help us. Why is it growling at me? Venel, you've got to get out of there. I exhaled in frustration and glanced at Marcel for support. My human's eyes were a million light years away. Red around the rooms, his lips never moved. Not even a forced snarl. The brokenness gave me the resolution I needed. That is just how humans talk, because they have a deeper vocal range. There's nothing to be afraid of, I said. We need urgent assistance at several locations. Help would be very much appreciated. The Zerillian tilted his head. I know what my orders are, but won't these predators attack anything in sight? They're in aggression mode, and this is a quarter of our entire fleet. We're no military species. Zerillian, we've, uh, we've lost millions of lives. Innocent lives. A rare hint of emotion crept into Jones's voice, though she quickly steadied herself. I promise, we want nothing more than to protect Earth. I will relay word that you're friendlies. Please, if you believe in please, help us. The quadrupedal's gaze darted to the viewport, where his formation was closing in on the Federation attackers. His expression was conflicted. I was worried that he might go against his orders. This captain acted predator-averse and even showed disgust at the sight of a human. The call was terminated without any clarification. The Terran ship's numbers continued to dwindle while Zerillian sat and watched. General Jones sighed and highlighted the new vessels as alien friendlies. That was a necessary gamble. 
the Federation had yet to notice the newcomers' approach. I prayed that they would intercede on Earth's behalf. End of chapter. Chapter 50. Memory Transcription Subject. Captain Caslam, Krakotal Alliance Command. Date, Standardized Human Time, October 17th, 2136. The Predator's formation was disintegrating, and it looked likely that we would secure victory within the hour. I considered broadcasting an apology to the surface. Once Earth's space fleet was exhausted, the unfortunate civilians knew they were witnessing the last days of their civilization. Did the humans not deserve the solace of an explanation? There was a part of me that wondered if we could have found another way. The issue was their growth and reproduction, which would be exponential if left unchecked. Maybe we could have isolated any humans who surrendered on an abandoned world, sterilizing and prohibiting breeding. That way, the existing primates could live out the rest of their lifespans without the option to prowl the stars. What if there was another path to achieve extinction without the deaths of billions? Oh, Castle, such thinking is counterproductive. Zan, any update on Thion? I asked, hoping for a brief destruction. The doctor took several seconds to respond. The first officer is in a medically induced coma, but... I've managed to freeze the brain swelling. You'll live, though I can't predict the long-term effects, sir. Some tension was lifted from my wings, with the assurance that the fossil would survive. This entire crew needed a piece of good news. We were set to join the next bombing rush. All remaining Federation ships were partaking in the charge. This was a chance to strike down every last craft that the humans had limping above the world. By the way, I quite enjoyed the show from my little window. I much preferred it when we thought all of these nasty creatures were dead. Zahn added, whatever your predator delusions, you should be proud of yourself, Captain. I tossed my beak in disdain, not dignifying that statement with a response. Relations between myself and the Takan practitioner would be much better if he kept his opinions quiet. My talons swiped through the screens, ensuring that our payloads were in working order. All systems were operational on board. There was just a small dip in our shield capacity. Our vessel fell into the rear of the advance, and navigations increased our acceleration. We would have control over the final targets, which might require flexibility. My expertise would come in handy, assigning relative importance to locations. Why did it feel so wrong? to speak about Terran settlements in those terms. Thoughts of Nishtal's impending invasion weighed on my mind, too. There might not be any home to go back to. Krakotal civilization would be the last casualty to Terran brutality. But that didn't ease the horror of it. We might be forgotten by the Federation within decades, just another species that fell to the Arxal. I hoped historians would appreciate our sacrifice. Alarms flashed on sensors, snapping me out of my torturous musings. Several Allied vessels had been picked apart by precision strikes, right beside us. The rear flank was blindsided by hundreds of blips who were darting in between our flotilla. The newcomers were trying to shove their way to the Terran fortifications. Ready weapons and fire at anything we don't recognize, I screeched. Where did these bastards come from? They're a little late if they're humans. My comms technician shuffled nervously. I just finished decoding communications between a Terran command post and the vessels. The Zerulians sent military assistance. You've got to be joking. The Zerulians have a fledgling, erroneous association with the humans. 
What have the Predators ever done for them? Jala snickered. Never mind, Captain. I'm pretty sure the Galactic Institute of Medicine and their 20 ships aren't going to tip the scales either way. That's not the point, Comms. I need to know these developments ahead of time. He's right. Sars forbid the Yotl show up with the Trebuchet next. Sociopath, Bane, a swooning motion. Then we'll be really screwed. I huffed in irritation, watching as our ships turned to face the Cerulean hostile. The quadrupeds gave us a wide berth and dodged Jala's Erin plasma beam. Several Federation captains were calling out conflicting orders on the comms, which led to disarray. Exhaustion was making it difficult to recall foreign military techniques, so I couldn't find a solid advice to offer. The Terran fleet were advancing on our front lines, capitalizing on the breakdown of command. Cursing the Zerillian fools, I barked orders to pull back and regroup within the lunar orbit. This was a waste of precious time, and could be vital to the defense of our home. We weren't going to leave an extermination half done. We'll get our bearings and charge at Earth again. Perhaps we can still accomplish this quickly. The Federation reassembled, adjusting for the fresh reinforcements. The numerical advantage was still slanted in our side, and Prey wouldn't fight half as well as a human. However, it might be difficult for the crew to fire on Zerudis. We had accepted that the Vandal were reduced to predatory thralls, but this race was a new convert. Zerulians chose their side, and they chose wrong. I know it seems harsh to strike them down, but they put themselves here. I surveyed the expressions of my crew, noting how distraught they looked. If the Arxor are truly attacking our homes, this might cost us our entire civilization. Everything is on the line. There is no time for bargaining. Jala hissed in frustration, as she realized our missiles were depleted. Perhaps she shouldn't have been so liberal with their usage. The plasma railgun had recharged, but I wasn't sure how long our gas supply was running. We couldn't afford to have only kinetics at our disposal. Discretion was required going forward. The Zerulian fleet fell in beside the humans, though they seemed wary of drawing too close. There was no basis for those fears. The risk of Terrans attacking their allies now was negligible. These predators were too smart to betray useful assets that Earth needed so desperately. They weren't just raving beasts. Sir, more unknown ships incoming. There's... My comms officer trailed off. I blinked. Where from? How many? Speak! Thousands. The subspace trails are from all over the place. My confusion intensified, and I attempted to stave off my sleep-deprived stoop. The humans didn't have many Federation allies, to my knowledge. Only six could respond in time. Two of those partners were already here. The neutral powers had no intent of interfering either way, since it would simplify their stance if we succeeded. But no single Federation race had that many ships at their beck and call. This had to be some sort of group of or alliance. Maybe these were the weakest species that had been coerced. Others might give in to cheap tactics if their home worlds were held hostage. That, or the humans had found a way to deceive our senses. These contacts could be decoys meant to sow confusion. How would such a trick even work, though? The comms analyst scratched her crown. Sir, we're picking up a looping transmission from this mystery fleet. It's directed towards Earth. Putting it on screen now. My beak nearly split open as the video feed materialized. Those slit pupils were unmistakable identifier of Arxor. I was uncertain whether their eye shape was solely for ambush hunting, or if they allowed the greys to stalk at dusk. It made human vision seem like a love beacons by comparison. This is Chief Hunter Isiv, the reptile clicked. 
Forgive our tardiness, but we did request that you disable FTL disruptors multiple times. Hang in there, humans. We're here to help. A few crewmates were sobbing from the beast's projection. Even the extermination officer like myself was paralyzed by those dagger-like teeth, jutting out from the truncated maw. The length of its cullet, visible as it spoke, was a ghastly sight. Why were the greys not laughing at the loss of life on Earth? Those demons delighted in death and suffering. They went out of their way to cause it. They didn't seem within their behavioral pattern to save a weaker sapient, even if that species were predators. I don't understand any of this. How are the Terrans responding? I stammered. The comms technician packed away at a station. Lots of chatter from the human coalition. It doesn't appear that their command was expecting the Arcs, or though that would be a staged for benefit for their uh, less vile friends. Crap. The Zerillians and the Venlil can't be happy about this, can they? No, sir. The Zerillians are demanding to know why the Arcs are here, and the Vendel are asking why they were not informed. The Terran response... The humans claim they didn't invite the Greys, but aren't in a position to reject their help. They suggest that their allies go with it, unless they prefer to fight the reptilians too. The response to the Arxor offered thanks, and insisted those two prey races are friendly. Of course, that's what a clever monkey said. They excelled in manipulation tactics, and they're using both parties. I leaned back on my perch, wondering if this would kill the Zerillian's ties to humanity. This should unmask the truth about Earthlings' long-term calls. Perhaps we can convince the other races to stand with us. By the time they spent pleading with them would allow the Arxor to pounce. If the Greys were genuine in their intention, the tide of this battle would turn decisively. The numerical edge was in the Terran's favor. With these new additions, not to mention the psychological impact the Arxor presence had, many Federation vessels were panicking at the prospect. We had to break through the orbital range with haste. There is no escape route and... Uh, we stand no chance against the Greys, but we can make our deaths mean something to the galaxy, I squawked, on the fleet-wide frequency. We must get as many bombs off against Earth as possible. All Federation vessels charge at max velocity. The crack hotel on our fleet bolstered forward, right towards the waiting human alliance. The Zerillians hesitated, not firing on either party. The quadrupeds, reluctant to abet arcs or allies, made them an obvious point of entry. The rail guns were powered up, but few of them acted even as we closed in. The Zerillians came to a decision and dropped into a defensive position. Vasma arced through towards us. I saw my life flash before my eyes. The beam sailed just off to our side and obliterated the neighboring ally that was keeping pace with us. If their aim was as half a degree different, it would have been my vessel in tatters. There was no time to gawk at the wreckage left behind. The arcs all swooping in on any stragglers, while I wasn't proud of the extermination itself. Our sacrifice was valiant and honorable. The crack Kotal fleet knew the most of us were about to die, but the captains had to commit to finish the job. The arcs are off swallowing our rear flanks, sir. Their ships are gaining on us faster than we can move, Jala called out. Should we turn and stall them? I puffed out my feathers. Absolutely not. Keep going. According to census, the reptilians' maximum speed was much higher than we'd ever documented. I realized that they had been conceding their technological limits. Two grey bombers selected us as their quarry and sent drive-tracking missiles in our direction. Jala shoved the nav officer out of the way, deploying a stream of interceptors in the nick of time. A Terran robot ship had also spotted us and launched supercharged plasma at our position. 
We barreled through the Cerulean line with urgency. They were no longer a comparative importance. My sociopath rerouted all power from shields to engine. The core was already overheating from exertion. Before the stunt, the female crocotl didn't quite manage to get ahead of the inbound plasma. It plowed into our aft compartment. Alarms began ringing overhead, while crewmates screeched in terror. My readout informed me that steering was offline. The engine was listed as critical failure. They're stuck in a one-way ticket towards us. The ship is going to crash, assuming it doesn't get blown up to bits first. All crew to escape shuttles, I shrieked, as loud as I could. The personnel didn't need to be told twice, as the flapping of wings drowned everything out. I took a deep breath. It was up to me to finish the job. We were about 30 seconds from orbital distance, and these two bombs could cross a million humans off the list. Jala began to abandon her perch, which earned her a withering glare from me. Get back here. I know you want to save yourself, but the rest of the crew will kill you for being a predator. I jabbed a talon at her, then pointed to the weapon station. You have no future, no place in society without me. So you're going to stay right here until the job is done. She hesitated, but was persuaded by my argument. The overhead power flicked out as the engine began to melt nearby systems. The emergency lights colored the floorboards a dim hue, and only essential functions were available. A plethora of enemies were still chasing our runaway ship. With our shield power rerouted away, there was no disincentive to use kinetics. Arxol bullets plowed through our armor, and the Terran automaton chipped in its own lead ammunition. Requesting assistance in the medbay, Zahn panted over the comms. I am unable to carry Thion on my own, nor am I able to fly the emergency medical pod. Captain, anyone? I sighed. I'll be there in a minute. Hold on, Doctor. The Terran robot was recharging its weapons, but struggled to keep up with the unsafe speed. Fear burned through my veins. I offered a silent prayer that we would survive long enough to complete the mission. It was a few more seconds until we could deploy the antimatter bombs. The human contraption didn't target us from outside a reliable range. Arxor munitions were inflicting steady damage, but they hadn't caused any catastrophic explosions. We hobbled into orbital range and established target locks on two Terran cities. Jala slammed a beak on the firing mechanism. I gave her the nod, and we fled from the bridge with urgency. The journey was a blur as we swooped down to the evacuation stairwell. Jala bowled through the door to the medbay, examining a pacing Zahn. The Takan doctor had thrown some supplies on his diagnostic shuttle. I was surprised that he just didn't leave Thion behind. The unconscious Versal had a clump of bandages around his head. It was painful to see him comatose on a cot. You took your time, Zahn spat. I glared at him. We came as fast as we could. I think you, of all people, would want us to make sure that the explosives made it to Earth. The ship rocked around us, barely swallowing a hit from our enemies. There was no time for bickering, if we were to survive. The three of us shouldered Thion's weight and deposited him into the pod's rear seat. The doctor strapped the injured patient in as Jala and I brought the shuttle online. The vibrations intensified around us, likely from our vessels entering the Earth's atmosphere. Without heat shielding on our damaged areas, the main hull was going to be incinerated. Jala closed the exit hatch and we jettisoned the shuttle. The controls would have to be learned on the fly. Cerulean sky surrounded us out the window as we plummeted towards the ground. The momentum of the ship's breakneck ball had carried over. I wrestled with the control column and tried to steady us. 
Jala flung all power to thrusters, but it could only slow us down so quickly. No, 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 no! We can't be stranded on a Predator's planet! We have to get back to, to our fleet! Land was rushing up to meet us as much as too fast, even as our velocity lessened. Impact looked to be an inevitability. There was nothing I could do to prevent it. My body snapped back in the harness, and our shuttles barely collided with foreign grass. End of chapter. I would quickly like to thank the T5 channel members and Patreons. Casper Arnholtz, Cam Maxwell, Barky, Lord Azrakal, It's Difficult to Pronounce, Dragzoon, WRE, Holly's Sister, Arcadian. Thank you very much.